My body is crying, and that's uh, Timarese. Unfortunately, we start with a very sad song uh, because no one wants to be violated in a place of employment. And uh, as we talk about workplace wellness programs, and uh, in particular, uh, focusing on harassment uh, within the workplace and why it's important uh, for any workplace to have a program in place. And uh, joining us uh, right now uh, is Adil Patel, who is a national head of employment practice at law firm uh, Cliff Decker Hofmeyer. Good afternoon and welcome, sir. All right. Hello, thank you. Good afternoon and thank you so much for taking our call. And uh, we're also joined by Dr. Fundi Lenyati, who is CEO of uh, Proactive Health Solutions. Uh, they provide uh, workplace wellness programs. Good afternoon and welcome, Dr. Nyati. Good evening. Sorry, good afternoon, Griselda, uh, and good afternoon to your listeners. Maybe I'll start with you, um, Dr. Nyati. Why is it important for the workplace to actually have a, a program um, that recognizes uh, wellness within the workplace? Um, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, Griselda, uh, to, to have a proper employee health and wellness program uh, in the workplace. One, because um, it makes business sense. Uh, happy employees mean, uh, you know, a, a, a profitable organization. But more than that, uh, people spend at least eight hours a day in the workplace. Uh, and many sources of stress, um, you know, uh, usually come from the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes people bring problems from home, but the workplace itself, just based on the number of hours that people spend, the, um, you know, it creates a lot of problems. Uh, and uh, if you've got a workplace program, it actually helps those employees who have avenues to have those uh, dealt with uh, effectively. And talking about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace, ideal, uh, how rife is this? And uh, what parts of the law do we connect with in ensuring that uh, the workplace is um, safe from sexual harassment? Hi. Uh- so I think we need to start off by saying that it is fairly rife at the moment, and we would have seen the global movement of Me Too, the Me Too campaign, uh-huh. and it's gaining prominence uh, within South Africa. More and more uh, victims are coming forward and taking a stand and are feeling comfortable enough uh, to express and to lodge complaints as to what they have experienced. What is, what is interesting, and as we've said a couple of uh, months ago when we were previously on the show, is that there is international research which indicates that during a downturn in the economy, the incidence of sexual harassment uh, is bound to increase. From an employee perspective, uh, the legislation that has direct relevance is uh, the Labor Relations Act, as well as the Employment Equity Act. When there are incidents of sexual harassment, which can be verbal as well as nonverbal, those uh, incidents are usually reported to the employer, and should the employer not take action or not take the appropriate action, the employee may lodge a claim not only against the perpetrator, but against the employer for failing to create a safe working environment for Mm -hmm. that particular employee. 
So, so let's talk about uh, the actual categories um, uh, that are supposed to be within a workplace uh, wellness program, uh, Dr. Nyati. What, what should be, uh, what should the policy actually entail? Look, um, it's it's a broad it's a, it's a broad area, mm-hmm. um, but uh, an employee health and wellness program should uh, be holistic in the sense that it must address physical issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must address, um, you know, uh, uh, um, emotional or psychosocial issues, uh, and sometimes even address spiritual uh, issues. So it must be broad like that. But just to unpack it, I mean, so, uh, an issue like uh, sexual harassment, uh, it actually falls within, I'll say, the, the psychosocial part uh-huh. of, 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 of the employee wellness programs. And it's very, very important that there are clear policies within the organization uh, based on the acts that, uh, you know, uh, have just been mentioned, uh, but clear procedures, you know, to say, okay, what is the company's stand first uh, on this issue? Uh, And if one feels that they've been violated in one way or the other, what procedures that they need to follow so that there is no situation where people uh, are not very clear. However, uh, at the end of the day, even if people have actually reported these things, uh, sometimes they report to other men and Mm -hmm. there tends to be this, I'll call it brotherhood situation, where some of these cases people try and just... uh, you know, sweep uh, under the carpet. You know, put you know, uh, just put them under the carpet and not actually deal with the issues. And then the risk that was mentioned now that actually the employer could be in a situation because if they fail to deal appropriately with such a complaint, mm. then uh, there could be a claim against them. All right, we we're taking a break, a commercial break, and I'd like us, uh, Adele, to just look at it. Should it be found that a company as big as the SABC uh, has sexual harassment cases that have been reported, and there's no uh, policy in place, there's no strategy on how to deal with this? What does the law say? Let's pay the bills. <laughs> Call Griselda now. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. And you can also join us uh, via Twitter at SFM Radio and on uh, Facebook. And you can hashtag SFM Lifetime Live or WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107 or connect with us uh, via uh, telephone on 0891-104-207. Or you can send an SMS at 40938 charged at 150. Uh, now, let's talk about my guest on the line, um, Adil Patel, who is National Head of Employment uh, Practice at Law firm and this is uh, from Cliff Decker of Mayer and also joined by Dr. Fundi Lenyati uh, uh, who is a CEO of Proactive Health Solution and we're talking about workplace wellness programs and uh, in particular focusing on sexual harassment in the workplace. Let's talk about the, what the law then says Adil, um, should a, a company as big as the ANC um, I mean the, the uh, SABC be found not to have a program and if, if it has um, employees don't know anything about what their rights are uh, in safety within the workplace. What then happens? Uh-huh. So, well, let's not comment directly on the SABC because I'm not sure of the facts or, or the like. No, I'm just giving an example. Yeah, it doesn't have to be SABC. What happen is, even though you may not have formal policies and procedures as to the avenues in which to lodge 
a sexual harassment or any sort of harassment claim, mm-hmm. um, employees are able to inform either their HR department, their IR department, the CEO, or their managers about the conduct of a fellow colleague or a supplier. Insofar as the employer then fails to take appropriate action, having been armed with that knowledge, the employer will be exposed Mm. to liability should the employee then decide to take appropriate action against the employee and uh, the uh, perpetrator. In essence, it is good practice good HR and IR practice to have formal policies which sets out acceptable acceptable behavior as well as what are as well as what steps an employee who is subject to harassment must take. However, the mere fact that employers do not have such policies and procedures does not deprive an employee mm. from lodging such a claim and does not relieve the employer from accountability and or liability. So that would be placed within human resources. Now, Dr. Fundile, what then should a a company then have a a workplace policy in place? Uh, How important is uh, populating what the programs are and what um, the employee versus employer rights are? It's very, very critical, Griselda. Um, you know, a comprehensive employee health and wellness program uh, should actually uh, cover, you know, I, I gave you the broad areas, you know, before, mm-hmm. um, but what, it must start with clarifying the stand of the company or organization on matters like this. And the policy, it's so, so critical because it is the foundation, you know, from which the programs uh, that are run within the organization are based. And, you know, one of the things that one normally sees is that uh, even if you have these policies, uh, they will be available there in the intranet, mm. uh, you know, Got or gathering dust. dust in some office somewhere. Um, you know, yet uh, it is so important that the employees who are working within that organization uh, are aware of, you know, the, the contents of the policy um, you know, and they are aware of, you know, the procedures that uh, they can follow um, so that when they are faced with a situation like that, you know, then they are able to, you know, to exercise their rights. So I think uh, to, to, to answer your question, um, policies are very, very critical to ensure that, uh, you know, uh, people can exercise their rights. All right, let's take uh, Stephen from the Northwest. Good afternoon and welcome, Stephen. Good afternoon to you and to your guests. And thank you for adding uh, Northwest, because I would not have known where Eight Cake Village is. Well, Eight Cake is not so far away from uh, Botswana, ah. but I, I can pick it up. Yes. Okay. Uh, look, man, I, I want to to echo this sentiment. This of accountability within institution doesn't often work because there's serious brotherhood that is that is existing hmm. to impede or to stop investigations. Let me give you an example. I I have taken a certain magistrate to uh, to accountability, uh, uh, judicial services, 
unit, the magistrate commission, the chief justice. Mm -hmm. They don't act, even though she has done wrong. I'm talking about making predetermined court orders, illegal but gated court orders, making sexual and, and false uh, statements, judicial reports. Uh, they refuse with them. I write to them now and then. So this thing of, of, of harassment or offenses doesn't just exist within uh, the SADC or government, even within what we call the systems of judiciary. I'm talking about right here in South Africa. Mm. I'm having to communicate every single day with a, a judiciary that is just stubborn and stupid. And you, and you mm. tell me, where do we run to for, for justice? Now, the, the people at SABC are, are, are crying for whatever they are crying for. They have rights that must be uh, adhered to. People must listen to them. But there's always a certain brotherhood that, that exists within organizations. I, I'm, I'm talking about a, a system which conceals evidence, hides evidence, and puts someone into adjudicate uh, matters where, in fact, they are conflicted. Mm. Now, where, where where do we go in South Africa in such a system? But I think I think someone who's, co- who's conflicted to make decisions. But Stephen, we do have cases that have been uh, successfully uh, concluded, and to say that the judicial is stupid, um, that that's that's uh, not fair. I'm sure you would also agree. I know that uh, it's a bit emotional, uh, but we can't paint everyone with the same brush. In fact, let me submit to you that I, I, I have written to the South African judiciary and I see some positive responses. But let me tell you this. Within the South African judiciary, you've got a, a, a brotherhood that mm. covers up corruption or corrupt court practices. Now, you, you tell me, if I write a, a judicial report and I'm conflicted in the matter, and I call someone who's higher to take the matter uh, that, in fact, I am conflicted in, or I stop or I prohibit uh, investigation from taking uh, taking uh, its course, or maybe I, I, I cover up or I tamper with court files. You tell me uh, the, the head of South African judiciary uh, cannot stand up and say, yeah. uh, Stephen. Unfortunately, we we're going to have to we're going to have to leave it there. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, you, at some point, when you get frustrated, also engage media. Um, they've been uh, in instances have uh, been successful in getting um, anybody who's frustrated heard. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for your call, and I hope your matter gets resolved. That it's not I'm um, just revolving and nothing gives. All right, let's take the news headlines with Utsilesaku. Discussions impacting your life the most. Thank you so much for not touching that dial. It is Lifetime Live with me, Chris Salda Tudumashe. As we almost concluding this conversation, um, I've got an SMS from John in Pretoria. Uh, John says, how does an employer enforce that employees do not wear high-heeled shoes to work as high heels uh, have a long-term negative effect on employees' uh, musculoskeletal health? Uh, and, and that question doctor, to you, Dr. Fundil. 
All right. It's uh, Lifetime Live with me, Chris Alda Dudumaje. And uh, thank you for not touching that dial. We're talking about uh, health in the workplace, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace uh, in particular, and looking at uh, employee wellness programs. And uh, joining us on the line is Adil Patel, who is National Head of Employment Practice at uh, Law Firm. uh, And that law firm is uh, Cliff Decker uh, Hofmeyer. Let's uh, just see if uh, Adil is is back with us or Dr. Fundile Nyati. Uh, Dr. Nyati, we've got a question. Um, yes. uh, it's an SMS from John in Pretoria who says, how does an employer enforce that employees do not wear high heel shoes to work as these high heels have long-term negative effects on employee musculoskeletal health? Uh <laughs> All right. Look, um, that's a, a different matter now. It's more on the physical side. That's it. Uh, I, you did give us yes. the three uh, categories. So it's one of the categories. It's, it's one of the categories that is physical health. Uh, yes, the employer uh, that is running an employee health and wellness program should actually have programs that are actually trying to create awareness on certain physical you know, uh, things that people do that may have long-term effect on their health. Uh, but they cannot actually prescribe to say you cannot wear this. Mm. You know, uh, so so uh, it's it's it, it's a matter of saying uh, create awareness, uh, make people aware of the dangers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but so that's you how you do it, but you don't prescribe. And, you, and can, you cannot prescribe. It's good. You just hope that the new knowledge will make the person to change their behavior or practices, you know, in terms of using, you know, high heel shoes. But you cannot enforce that unless it is actually in line with the health and safety procedures of a particular job. Does that you also know. apply with dress code, uh, Dr. Nyati? As much as, uh, I mean, people talk about it's my body, it's my right. Um, but I, yes. I mean, there's also a saying that you have to protect me from violating your right. Uh, wherein people would wear inappropriate clothes in the workplace, uh, where, you know, uh, cleavage becomes more than cleavage. Uh, yes. and, and there's something called uh, the camel toe, uh, which I can yes. only say it in those terms and not the other. <laughs> Uh, correct him. I mean, yeah. how do we then ensure that uh, even in uh, trying to address issues like uh, sexual harassment, we equally acknowledge that um, we teach, I'm assuming, uh, what is appropriate and what is inappropriate as dress yeah. wear in the workplace? Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's a minefield, Exiselda. It's a minefield because what's appropriate for me may not. not be appropriate for you True. and vice versa. Now, in my organization, for example, I've got a lot of women employees um, and they are young and they tend not to want, you know, to adhere to what they call rigid, you know, uh, uh, you know dress code. But what I did was to create a committee within them to say, you guys come up with what you believe is acceptable, uh-huh. you know, dress code. Uh, I, le- I left it to them, and when they came back, there was consensus. And so we implemented what they believe is consensus, you know. Uh, and the issue of the front or back cleavage or the camel toe, it's a no-no because we're a professional organization. We deal with clients every day, and we cannot have any of our occupational therapists or psychologists or social workers, you know, dealing with clients in that manner, let alone, obviously, the colleagues as well. 
But we must also be mindful that, uh, you know, uh, if somebody is wearing something that somebody might see it as suggesting, you know, uh, on the sexual side, mm-hmm. uh, we, 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 we mustn't, because people must also learn to control their edges Absolutely. within the workplace. Absolutely. And not actually playing how the other person was dressed for their inappropriate behavior. So indeed a two-pronged approach. Now, as we conclude um, this conversation, I am aware that as a proactive health solution, uh, you are innovating uh, and and coming up with uh, uh, health solutions that are um, electronic. Tell us more about this. Uh, Thank you, Chris Elda. Yes, indeed, uh, this afternoon at uh, 5 p.m., we will be launching the first-of-a-kind digital wellness uh, platform uh, that is meant to take the, the employee assistance programs from what I would call the traditional or, you know, uh, I'll say dark ages uh, type of uh, EAP programs to uh, the new age or digital age type of programs. So we will be launching that. And really, it's, it's, it's um, meeting the changing needs of the employee workforce. Nowadays, you've got a, a big percentage of people who are millennials, or what they call Generation X, who are joining the workplaces. Their expectations in terms of how they consume HR services uh, within the a workplace is different from people who are 40 and above. And so, uh, and this is going to be even worse, you know, with the advancing years. So as PHS, we have decided that this industry that has not been innovating for the last 20 years, that has not been indigenized, um, it needs a revamp. So we went back to the drawing board and uh, designed from scratch a technology platform that will ensure that uh, uh, employees and their family members are able to access counseling and healing services anywhere, anytime, uh, on any device, which is basically the language of the fourth industrial revolution. So where, where do we find proactive health solutions? Uh, well, uh, we are available on the website, um, you know, www.proactivehealthsolutions.co.za. We are also available on Facebook and also on Twitter. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, and uh, good luck uh, with the launch uh, this afternoon. Thank you, Griselda. And uh, that is uh, Dr. Fundi Lenyati, CEO of uh, Proactive Health Solutions. And we'd like to also thank Adil Patel, who is uh, National Head of Employment uh, Practice at Law Firm. Uh, and that is uh, Law Firm is uh, Clef Decker Hofmeyer, as we're talking about sexual harassment and just looking at workplace uh, wellness program.